Hello. Hello there. All right. And uh, welcome to episode six of the uh, Punch Drunk Boxing Podcast with myself, Gareth Mugler, and my good friend, Richard Mills. How are you? You right? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. How are you? Do you want to squeak that charity? <laughs> but, uh... There we go. So you're um, for any of the kind of regular listeners, you'll know what the show's about. But for anyone new, you're um, two big boxing fans who love boxing and talking general nonsense. So um, yeah, all right. Let's uh, let's crack on with uh, better news. Start with we mm. usually start with yeah. Actually, uh, let me start off with something else. My a friend of ours, a friend of the show, Carl Donnelly, is a comedian. And um, look him up on YouTube; he's fantastic. Big, big shout out! Have we got his? Uh, we got his, his uh, Twitter. Is it Carl Donnelly? I might be Tw- Twitter dot Carl Donnelly. Use the internet; you'll find him out. Anyway, like I was talking to him a couple of weeks ago. And he recommended <laughs> what he claimed was a cinematic classic. He claimed it was Wesley Snipes' best film, and uh, at least best film about boxing. It's called Undefeated. You ever seen this? No. <laughs> right. It's uh, Wesley Snipes playing a prison boxer. Sounding good already. He's in prison for a crime that it's... They can't imply that he didn't commit, but the more he talks about it during the film, we think, you're probably guilty, mate. So, um, anyway. Was this, was this made after he... Was this based on his actual life? Sadly, no. <laughs> it didn't after he tax for Which he kind of probably believes he didn't commit. Do you know what he did for that thing? He turned up to the court case. This is this Wesley's knives. He turns up to the court case after he was being... Uh, is this the film or real life? Real life. Okay. So um, he was found guilty of uh, tax evasion. He turned up the court case and said, "Listen, I can just write you a check for like the two hundred grand I owe." It was about two. It was over two million. Oh, whatever. So he turned around and said, "I can pay this money," and the judge turned around and went, "Too late. We're giving yeah, you like he five went years." On the run. He went on the run. Did he? Yeah, he he went on the run. So you can't then turn up and being caught. I don't know what he was thinking. Well, no, I would have said, "Is the principle that you just want the money back?" But what benefit to society are locking him up for five years? Like, how many other Hollywood superstars you got, are... You've got a set of... It's like, um, well, it's, you know, say like the Motley crew. Who was, a, who was the lead singer of that? He killed somebody. Vince he, Neil. That's it. And what happened with him? <laughs> he just paid people off. <laughs> and then the Freddy... Motley crew continued recording records. And look where that got us all. <laughs> for any big Motley crew fans out there, read their autobiography, The Dirt, which is just pretty much the greatest book ever written. <clears throat> and... Um, Anyway, so um, undefeated in uh, Wesley Snipes, so he plays. Uh, he goes in, he, he plays a star that is already a sports star. He's already in prison, and uh, while he's in there, he joins the like the prison boxing program. Oh, Bing right. Rames plays the actual heavyweight champion of the world. So Mike Tyson, oh, nice uh, prototype, or uh, whatever word that I'm looking for. And uh, he goes into prison after some kind of crime. And uh, anyway, he joins the both of them are in the prison boxing program, and then fireworks ensue. And uh, Unlike what Carl told me and said it was fantastic, you have how tall is Wesley Snipes? He's about four. Oh, he's about five, five eight, five, maybe five ten, maybe tops. I don't think he's five. No, I he's think he's about five, five eight. eight. And That's probably bang on. He's fairly skinny, and Ving Rhames looks like Ving Rhames. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, it's like the ridiculousness of that snatch, uh, Brad Pitt's character. Oh yeah, yeah. He knocked everybody out one punch. How you plumbing? Just there's a twenty minute end fight scene in that. It literally looks like Bing Rhames could just lean over it and just squash him down into the ground. I shan't ruin the ending for that, but uh, we'll say Hollywood oh, wins out in the end. Can you, can you ruin the ending? No. For me? Uh, I'm never going to watch that, am I? I'll, it, it's got a Hollywood ending. All right, tell me after the show. We yeah, we'll need. But, uh, yeah, but, so, know. essentially, was Carl talking shit? Oh, absolutely. It's just one of the worst things I've ever fucking seen in my life. 
Are you sure he said it's genuinely good, or did he say it's like ridiculously? He didn't say rent it. He said buy that film because it's fantastic. Yeah, but fantastically bad. If I know Carl, nah, he oh, loved. Anyway, in any case, yeah, that's a. Uh... He did tell me to buy a uh, Final Destination, which I've still never forgotten. <laughs> Ten pounds down the drain. That's one of the worst films I've ever seen. <laughs> I was invited yesterday to go to the British Film uh, Institute up in Southbank and watch John Travolta was doing a talk. So it's a 20-minute interview, and then he was going to show his film afterwards. And the film that he's in is called Killing Season, and he plays a Bosnian assassin who goes after in the so goes up to the woods. Is there any boxing in this? Because I'm no. becoming increasingly <laughs> aware this should be like film 2013. <laughs> he plays, plays a Bosnian assassin who goes into the woods and one on one has a fight with like bow and arrows against oh. Bobby De Niro, which you think, oh, that that could be quite good. It's directed by the guy who did. <laughs> Daredevil. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Grumpier Old Men. Who, who's in that? It's not Jack Lemon, the sequel to Grumpy Old Men, which the guy also oh, directed. That's good. And then uh, When in Rome, some shit romantic comedy. And uh, he's also called, I think it's called like The Big Bully. Writer, director, and it's got Rick Moranis, Tom Arnold. I mean, <laughs> you, you take all that right and direct it. put it in a bin, wouldn't you? <laughs> you <laughs> take that all of that up. Was it, when, when was this? Was this fairly recent? That was yesterday. That no, film when was a film? Yeah, Killing Season. Oh, shit, it's just coming out. This is coming out. So if you want to see... Robert, Robert De Niro. Yeah, Bobby De Niro versus... Well, another prime work. And it's uh, <laughs> the Ronnie and Bullwinkle. <laughs> anyway, we'll get in some... Uh, Box news. Yeah. And, um, right, so the big news of the last like, couple of weeks was that uh, David Hay was lined up to fight Tyson Fury. They've been slagging each other was off it? Yeah. on uh, Twitter and Facebook and in the press. And How lined up was it? Apparently it's really right. So last week, the news was, this is definitely going ahead, big fight in like, September. And then I found out yesterday, David Hay tweeted and said, <laughs> he offered... He said, I gifted him a 50-50 split. That is a TV generous. money, revenue, okay, revenue, the whole shebang, 50-50. We'll David Hay barely gave Klitschko a 50-50 <laughs> split. So. Tyson Fury had tweeted, oh, this is my favourite line. He said, I'll literally make David Hay fuck himself in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the type of trash talk I love. So yeah. it's going to be a big, massive fight. Gypsy trash talk. Oh, the best type of trash yeah. talk. And uh, what did... Tyson came back basically and said they had the contracts ready to sign and he came back and went no nah, ask for more money what he asked for was an 80-20 split oh and said unless you give me 20% again he said unless he, he can either take 20% he, or go fuck himself he might as well have just said look mate I'm a little bit scared to fight you I think I'm going to lose I don't fancy it so I'm going to give some ridiculous demand yeah. and that will get rid of the fight pretty much so I that's a joke I'm a big believer that Tyson Fury, for all these kind of trash talk, he has completely bottled that. You're not going to get a better yeah. 50-50. And even though everybody's going to see that, he might as well have just said, look, actually, I think it's not the right time in my career to... He's, 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 he's run he's, his mouth. And it come up short, i got to say. Yeah, right. and, uh, so that was the big news. Unfortunately, that one seems it's off, until uh, unless Tyson Fury uh, has a bit of common sense about him and um, decides 50-50 is fair. Yeah, but uh, in fairness to him, right, <clears throat> I think it's, uh, it's a stupid fight to even have... Talk oh, and agree to definitely lose. He's definitely going to lose. So You're going to lose. Yeah, and it's not like Hayes not exactly. I mean, the argument you might <coughs> make is that because David Hay has almost had what like a year off, that uh, maybe he might have been a ring roster, and this would have been his big fight right. back. But I think yeah. David Hay would have just gone straight yeah. through him pretty much. I think he would have. <laughs> it would have been like a fantastic event 
huge money maker. But I, think, I don't know how much of it's talk, but David Hayes always said that you know, like when he fought Chisora and things like in that time when he was off to when he fought him, mm. he said like he's never, he's, he's, and he's never been one of his fighters who, in between fights, balloons like some people and yeah. that training just always goes down. Ricky Han, always goes, <laughs> like Roberto Duran, and Roberto Duran. <laughs> Ricky just copied and thought that. <laughs> that looks like fun. He's my hero, so. Uh, uh, yeah. But uh, the other news that um, so obviously uh, Sol Canelo Alvarez is going to be flying uh, Floyd Mayweather oh, uh, later in the year, which should be absolutely fantastic. So forward to that. But uh, Ricardo Alvarez, <laughs> the brother of the uh, Sol, Al- the uh, guy Alvarez. who uh, got beaten by um, Trot Trout. His brother? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That oh, really? His brother, yeah. He got oh, I didn't know. I yeah, didn't know he's, that. A, he's a fighter as well. And, uh, but he said anyway. He had a press conference and he said he spotted fear. In the face of Floyd Mayweather, but I, why? Did you reckon that's true? Because I no, <laughs> because I watched it and it's the Floyd's typical smile. And the only place you can technically spot fear is in the eyes. And Floyd Mayweather wore sunglasses. I heard if he you're Mexican, though, you can pretty much see through sunglasses. You're like a dog, like smelling for a shark with blood. Something yeah. like that. And I also heard Mexicans can see through sunglasses. <laughs> so, so he must have seen fear. But did you see that? <clears throat> the press conference. Yeah. No. Oh, it's so many Mexican people there every time Floyd went to talk it's just Mexico Mexico um, but yeah Floyd uh, I, I I wouldn't say I saw fear I don't think that man no. was scared of any of the box but I, I I'm looking forward to that fight and old, oh, yeah. um, a lot of props to Floyd for taking it I absolutely uh, what else came up so um, undefeated welterweight uh, welterweight contender I should say Kel Brook has um, basically had his time as... Your best friend. My best friend. <laughs> uh, I keep on... Sla- new listeners, I don't think Kelbrook is all that good, to be honest, but um, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Anyway, he's stepping up in his next fight against Carson Jones, so it's uh, taking place in the middle of July. <coughs> this time, it's going to be a catch weight of £150. So, um, yeah, I don't know. For, for a fellow who... I'll say for Kelbrook's career, maybe it's like he want Carson Jones is at least an, um, like a decent name. So, uh, better than the standard that Kelbrook has fought previously. So, again, it's a step in the right direction in terms of opponent-wise. But um, if it was more, he's like, a, I would have thought he's like a more natural welterweight. Is he, is the opportunity, he's ranked so highly in the welterweight division, he just needed to get those fights. So if you're not proving yourself there, the idea of stepping up, to me, didn't seem like the greatest career move. But, um, yeah, but I don't know, it's a tough division he's in, isn't it? Yeah, maybe, it is. Maybe you take a step up, build up, and you... You know, I don't know. You, you don't know till you try it. Sometimes some people mm. can can move up and and fill that weight quite well. Yeah, some but again, are more comfortable at it. You're it right. is like you get like the junior middleweight division, so which is one hundred fifty four pounds. So it'll be finding a catch weight a couple of pounds shy. But um, the welterweight division, it's there's so many huge Tough. names. So again, like Tim Bradley, Alexander, Roberto Guerrero, Victor Ortiz, like Pacquiao, Marquez. Floyd, if there is. Yeah, you've got there. people like Floyd floating around there. But then again, yeah, I don't know, like a, moving up to junior middleweight, you've got... You would have thought it's going to be like a harder fight at a higher weight because that's not his natural <coughs> weight that he's fighting at. Even though it's like only a couple of pounds over, that still is going to make a difference. So, um, yeah. in any case, we'll wish him the best of luck because I don't really fancy his chances. Yeah. I think deep down you'll be thinking, I hope he loses so you can prove yourself right. That he's oh, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to um, talk about this when we preview the fights uh, that are coming up. But um, Gennady Golovkin, who's uh, the WBA middleweight champion at the moment, has basically said after his uh, next fight, so he's going to be fighting Matt Macklin. Um, this Saturday coming probably uh, knock him out I don't know we'll get into that we'll preview that later on the show but anyway he says that he's hoping that his next one is going to be Sol Alvarez 
Which two? That'd be great. That'd be like an absolute outside of Floyd. I think like, I rah. think Alvarez is a better boxer. Yeah, I think so as well. But Golovkin is. <laughs> I mean, it's it's. I don't know. I've never seen any. I haven't seen Alvarez really. I mean, he must have fought him earlier in his career, but I've never seen him fight somebody who's just as powerful, who's just yeah. as aggressive and as dangerous as he was. Like when he was younger, you know. Yeah. Like it was a lot of the times I saw him. His fight it was him bullying people or, or moving in and. Outwork, outmuscling them, having more power, and I've I've never seen. And that Golovkin is one fighter I can imagine. That guy's real you know, tough. That could be fireworks. Oh yeah, I'd love. I don't that, think man. I don't think Alvarez's chin's ever been tested, and I don't think it's gonna overly be tested against Floyd. Not the chin. Mm. I think he's Floyd's favorite. His boxing skills are gonna be yeah. tested. <clears throat> but um, yeah. did you have uh, news? Uh, I've just. Um, no, I've got, I've got a couple. The Hopkins fight against Murat, that's been cancelled oh, because apparently uh, the US won't allow Murat into the country. <laughs> I don't get this. I mean, why? What I didn't, in fairness, I didn't actually bother to find out the reason. <laughs> <laughs> but I just find that a lot of these things where fighters aren't allowed to fly, it's like, Jesus Christ, they're coming over for a short period to have a fight. They're coming over for like two weeks max, yeah. not even that. Like You've got press around them. You've Cuban got defect. Exactly. They're not going to smuggle drugs in. They're not going to bring, start, they're not going to try and yeah. fucking blow up a building or something, are they? Mm. It's like a massive high profile fight. You can. I don't know. Make it, just, it just sounds to me like possibly a, a quite an easy excuse to cancel a fight. Easier yeah. than saying I want eighty percent of the purse. Because <laughs> <laughs> at least you don't look like a bit of a prick <laughs> when you do this. Um, so yeah, there's that. And then uh, I also I just throw out there I saw a forty four year old uh, Riddick Bowe lose his first kickboxing debut <sighs> in the second round. <laughs> These are the kind of fights you got. You that is a tough. <laughs> Post-boxing career. I can't imagine when I saw him boxing in heavyweight. I can't imagine a guy being able to lift his his foot over his knee, let alone like in a kickboxing type. Riddick Bow is a big lad. He was a big yeah. I can't imagine him using his legs for anything other than keeping that big heavy load (laughs) firmly on the ground. That is. But yeah. absolutely and also, uh, I'll just quickly throw out, I watched, the, I watched a pretty interesting documentary called Mohammed and Larry um, on, on YouTube. Was this one on ESPN? Uh, the 30 yeah, for 30 I series? It, I think it was, yeah. But it was really good. It was just, I think, about the Larry Holmes and Mohammed Ali yeah. fight and things. And it was just, yeah, it was, it was uh, pretty good. Definitely worth checking out. It's on YouTube. Just type in Mohammed and Larry uh, mm. documentary and it's uh, definitely worth checking out. Those um, ESPN documentaries, there's a series called 30 for 30, right. and they've got a series of um, high-profile kind of directors. So if you've ever seen the documentary Cocaine Cowboys, yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. So yeah, the guy yeah, from that yeah, yeah. does one about um, Miami University, which is, and their football program, and how the... Okay. <laughs> I'll make this brief, but um, how they brought in a new coach because the team had been rubbish in football for years. He Dan Marino. Oh, no, no, this is before, this is college football, not the NFL. Oh, right, okay. And um, the coach comes in, and he's got like a fedora cap and a big cigar, and he looks around and goes, listen, Miami, at this stage, in the early 80s, was a bit of a shithole. It's all crime and money, massive kind of race problems. And the coach comes in and goes, the only way we're going to make this college good is when we go into the ghettos and just take out the best young kids that are there. Athletic. Yeah, yeah and yeah. that's what he did. Over the course of the next 15 years, they've become now a dynasty, yeah. and it's all based on the kids coming out of... Who would clearly otherwise never have the chance Given of getting a, a chance, yeah. college education? Not that they really get one in football, but nonetheless, watches absolutely fantastic. Okay. So interesting. And what's that called? Uh, the U. 
The U. Yeah. Is that spelled as in you or just the as letter? As in you, as U? in the University of Miami. Okay, so <laughs> not, not the Y-O-U. I don't, basically, the reason it's, I'll give like a hint of why it's so good. But all right. No, I'll, I'll make it quick. Right. right. So um, the team is all these kind of young black kids coming in and the uh, alma mater is a University of Miami going, oh, this is disgraceful, they're too brash, they're too arrogant. And one of the kids is my greatest ever celebration that I've seen. Ball gets thrown into the end zone, he picks it up. Runs past the end zone. There's a massive. They're playing in Texas, and there's a massive, big, long corridor down the end. He runs all the way down. Literally runs off the pitch all the way down this corridor, and everyone's like, "Where the fuck's he gone?" He literally comes out. He walks back slowly down this tunnel because they're playing in Texas, and just boom, boom. <laughs> doing the cowboy yeah. guns. But the figures in his hands, boom, boom, walks out. The whole place is going so crazy when he broke his head off. So this 19 year old kid just bopping back out. Taking yeah. the piss out of him. Oh, it's yeah. fantastic. But um, anyway, yeah, I'll wrap it up for our right. news. All right, nice one. So uh, we're into the next part of the show, and what we'll do is uh, review the last couple of weeks' action, because there were some just absolutely fantastic fights. Yeah, great fights. So um, on Saturday the 8th of June, we'll start then, at uh, 12 rounds, weight and well division, fighting in uh, California, Josecito Lopez versus Marcus Medana, welterweight division, and it was just, no, oh, it was a, a good, real, real good, good fight. I mean, it was always going to be a bit of a tear-up with those two fighters in. Madonna, oh. I think Madonna's got one of the... The best in all divisions, running the best KO. Oh, really? Yeah, rating. I think he's got one of the most impressive. Yeah, he's real heavy hands. But um, yeah. <laughs> I watched this. Uh, so I, I couldn't watch it live because we were away. But um, the other video that I watched, I've never seen. But Lopez walks into the ring. So um, Maidana is Argentinian. Lopez from Mexico. Lopez is walking into the ring, and you know that incredibly stereotypical Mexican music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my favourite music to. Yeah, I'm like chicken sounds. The two Spanish commentators were just started going crazy. Just the best intro. Such a fight so long. I never saw that. I don't know. Oh, so good. Oh, that's a shame. I'll have to. I'll have to look into that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, what do you think? Uh, yeah, it was good, good, good fight. Both of them kind of went out. It's a sort of... The balance sort of swung back and forth, didn't it, really? It looked yeah. like, I mean, early on, Yosicito looked like he were uh, in the first round. It was quite even. It was cagey. Mm. You know, I think... I think, yeah, I think uh, he could, could go to either fight. And then for, like, the next couple of rounds, Madonna seemed to sort of, like, take control, dominance. Mm. And then... Um, and then it was about round four, like I think near the end of round three, like uh, there's this point where Lopez, he just, um, he just, he seemed to be struggling throughout the round, and then with about thirty seconds left of the round, just taking a bit of contact, just saw him, he just looked straight at Madonna, banged his gloves together, said something in like, <laughs> well, I can only assume it's Spanish, and then just banging went right into <laughs> throwing shots, everything, and um, he's so yeah. I absolutely love that guy. <laughs> yeah, it's it good, and but for me that was that was kind of a little bit too too little too late for that round mm-hmm. and I think the third I gave to Madonna but you could see he gained a lot of confidence from it and round four he came out and he looked like a bit of a different fighter and yeah. he, he looked good um, but yeah overall overall yeah it was a, a great round with so um, for anyone who does know this won't be spoiled in the ending because it was a couple of weeks ago but um, it came to round six and um, Madonna he's a real heavy hitter he's metronomic in his style Lopez is a lot more fluid yes. But uh, Madonna just kind of got through and essentially I felt was kind of wearing him down. Anyway, yeah. round six, lands just a Floyd-esque counter overhand right and just <laughs> smack Lopez yeah. right in the head. Lopez goes down. And then he gets back up and Madonna uh, puts on the pressure and then the referee stops it. Do you think he stopped a bit too early or...? Mm, yeah, yeah. I think, well, it was early. I don't know. You 
you look back and in slow motion, you can see Lopez's neck snapping back and yeah. things. But I know for a fact, you see that Lopez, what he's like. He's a proper warrior, and he wouldn't have been happy with a stoppage. I think he was. I think he would could have survived. Um, even even worst of all was all right if maybe he went down. Mm. I, th- I think it was a slightly early stoppage, but at the same time, you know, I think ref it's a it's a tough job, and when people. Yeah. Lives are on there. Yeah, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a horrible stoppage. I've seen a lot worse. Yeah, absolutely. It was maybe a little bit, a little bit early for my liking, but it's still yeah. understandable. But, but um, <laughs> overall, I mean, again, it was like an excellent, really close, super yeah. exciting fight. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, one of the main differences were um, were kind of they're both very similar styles, and they're both now to land. They both got good chins, good heart, and things, but. I just seen Madonna when Lopez was hurt. Madonna mm-hmm. really seemed to have that killer instinct, which is probably why he's got one of the best KO rankings. But Indeed. the minute he got hurt, you could see he just capsulized. And some fighters have that gift of, you, you know, you get some fighters in a fight where someone's a bit hurt and mm-hmm. the fighter just can't, doesn't know how to take advantage. Yeah. They just don't go in there a bit cagey. Madonna was straight in, applied the pressure. The Sugar Ray Leonard school of that. Yeah, exactly. Um, whereas Lopez, a couple of times, I seem to remember, like even in round one and two, there were points where he looked like he had Madonna in, in, a, in a bit of trouble, just a bit uncomfortable. Mm. And he just sort of let Madonna recover, sort of just took the foot off and just stood back and let Madonna just put a bit of distance between them. And for me, that was the crucial difference. Mm. But. Um, yeah, I I Good thought, I thought rematch. No, I I thought Madonna was going to win it, win it, and I think if a rematch, no. I I'm not interested in particularly seeing a rematch at all. Oh, wow. It was a good it was a good fight, but I mm-hmm. think I think it would be a similar outcome. But uh, we'll go on to the next one because um there was another <coughs> on the um, same evening. I think it was on the undercard actually. There was um, again twelve rounds this time junior middleweight division, and this one Alfredo Angulo oh, versus yeah, yeah. Eris Andy Landa, which. Lara, Lara, I beg your pardon. I want to say Landa, but um, yeah, this Brian, was Brian, La- uh, Brian Lara's um, <laughs> cousin, Cuban nephew. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I guess for anyone who doesn't know, Lara is um, like an ex-Cuban, like, like amateur standout. I'm sure we've won three, three, over three hundred fights. So he's only had over three hundred, yeah. and he like lost maybe like ten or something. But I'm sure he's like a, he's like a gold medalist in the Olympics yeah, or world yeah, champion. Yeah, he was a gold medalist, maybe uh, and world champion, I should say. <laughs> and um, for uh, Angulo, for his part. Is I love that guy. I have to say, he's, he's, he's right up there with some of my favourite fighters. For a start, he always brings a, a quality look. <laughs> From his days of his moustache, Branton, he just he looked, uh, he had braids this time, with uh, a big yeah. proper beard with him. Yeah, if you ever want just, to see a grown professional boxer come into the ring, his nickname's The Dogs, who came in with the big studded... Oh, collar. <laughs> cornrows on that collar. makes him look like an aging... Uh, Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Not Snoop Dogg. No, no, it's been silly. Um, an aging who? Who's the lead singer of Guns N' Roses? Axel Rose. Yeah, you know what Axel Rose? We got really fat when he came out with Chinese yeah. Democracy. Nah. And he had those. I lost the interest in that guy in about 92, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I, haven't really been, I haven't been keeping up, to, up on the uh, info on his. Uh, Apparently, he's uh, not going activities. well to any Axel Rose fans out there. He's uh, hard times. But, um, a prick, are you? But. Again, this one might have been... It's one of the uh, fights of last oh, weekend. This one maybe won the fights of the year. This one is an absolute standout. So, um... Angulo's a proper... Like, he's not technically the most solid, but he looks in great shape. And yeah. he'd been pr- criticised in the past for his level of fitness. And he's a guy who just loves throwing. Throws a lot of punches. But you could see he kind of curved that back. Mm. Um, I mean, it was a fantastic fight in terms of styles. Because, again, as you might imagine, Lara for his um, part is... 
Well, again, like incredible, incredibly speedy, yeah, incredible shake, shape, amazing footwork, great movement. Throws in like a single punch, throws in punch and quick super combination. And, um, and Gulo is a pressure fighter, so he comes forward and just tries to body punch his way to victory. <laughs> which great work to the body. Some of those shots, he's oh, yeah. landing the left hook repeatedly. He's got his line. left hook and, unreal. Um, but uh, I'll run through kind of quickly. I won't go kind of round by round. But for the, for the first couple, Lara takes it just out working him. Yeah. And you can see Angulo's tactics is his trainer, who's the same trainer, Virgil Hunter, he's the same trainer as uh, Andre Ward, yeah. and, to, and told him, listen, just go to the body all the way through. Eventually, this guy's getting tired. So the um, first couple of rounds goes to Lara. The next couple of rounds, Angulo comes back, just again, pressurising. I think definitely round three, Angulo took. Oh, I think Lara took four. Oh, how did Laura take four? That's when Laura uh, getting knocked down. No, that was five, wasn't it? No, no, round four. Boom. Okay, I thought it was round five. Angula just again left oh, yeah, up. You're right. Yeah, it was yeah. in close. Knocks him down. The next, but the, the, yeah, fantastic punch. Next couple of rounds, next three or four, Laura just completely outboxes him, takes it away. Comes to round nine. What happens? Angula comes back again. <laughs> boom, boom. Catches, knocks Laura down. You're thinking this is uh, maybe just one of the greatest. He real trouble, didn't he? But you could see Angula went for it. And, yeah, uh, but. Take your hat off to Lara. He he's never been down ever in his career mm. in a fight, and to get dropped twice by someone with that much power in that, and he looked a much bigger man. I think there, yeah. I think there was something like the actual because after the weighing, you know, you when they actually how much you weigh when you come into the ring. Yeah. I think it was something like nine pounds or something more. Yeah. That that's that's a that's a solid amount more that uh, Angulo came in. Absolutely. At a lot heavier and he has power and to drop him twice and especially the second time whoa he did not look good but he the Lara came back well yeah he, he he's moved got, around but um, what happened it ended in round 10 because um, Angulo for a better one for, sorry for one for a better word um, retired himself and quit um, I don't know no it's a bit of a but the, well the reason was so his tactic was to come in come close to the body but he took so much punishment and I'd say this is one thing I listened to the commentary on um Fox Nation. Up. What they said is, they talked all the way through about, listen, this is his tactics, he come through and he's going to fight, uh, and Gula can fight incredibly well. They didn't mention the fact that he was taking real hard punches for yeah, the best yeah. part of like his face, he was ten bleeding rounds. after like round two, or th- after round three, he was bleeding on the bridge of his nose and he had all little cuts and swelling. Yeah. It was just getting worse and worse. And, and by round ten, his left eye was oh, just grotesquely. Yeah, yeah, you know, but it's, Literally, it's coming off like an inch and a half I don't off think his he, skin. I don't think he technically... I don't know. Does it count as a technical retirement? Basically, they were in the fight, and Lara landed three or four solid, like, straight punches. Yeah. Straight down on this horribly, like... Swollen. Um, swollen, mess. and it looked like, you know, it's maybe a, 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 the the bone of... What's the bone called there? It was broken or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> And basically, Angulo he took three of those punches in a row, and it took like a second or so for that to sink in. And he just sort of he was staggered on his feet, mm. and then he just turned his back. And that was when the ref yeah. just absolutely yeah, like, stop it at that yeah, stage. Stop, stop the fight. But does that does that count then in a fight? If a fighter turns his back, that doesn't count as a self retirement. Yeah, it does. That's instant stoppage. I've seen I've seen fights where people do. Not that, if someone like stumbles over, but <coughs> literally turn your back because he clearly didn't want to go on. So at that stage, you have to just call it a day. But again, yeah. I don't. I, I having seen that fight. Sometimes you see people and and <coughs> when they give up, you think, "Oh, that's a bit." Lacking heart, but I don't think you can fault Angulo's heart there. No, that's I mean, his face was a real mess. Yeah, and it's like that Lebedev 
when he oh about God. a couple of weeks ago again that guy's face was Lebedev versus Guillermo Jones <laughs> if you still haven't seen that get on YouTube and type oh. in Dennis Lebedev Guillermo Jones and just watch it's another Cuban isn't it yeah. he's mashed up his face <laughs> Cubans are dangerous man. and uh We'll kind of wrap it up on this one, but again, it's one of the fights of the year. It was so entertaining. But um, what was going to say? That Dominic uh, Messanti was that Angulo uh, just afterwards, when he's standing in the corner, you can see his face, his whole eyes, you know, like a caveman when he just swelled over yeah, and all these kind of dark shadows. It's bizarre. But uh, anyway, yeah, that one was uh, fantastic. We'll go on to the um, next one because this one didn't last long. <laughs> or, <laughs> so, oh, our lock of the week, I think. <laughs> 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 Light heavyweight division, fight in Montreal, Chad Dawson versus Adonis Stevenson, who was stepping up from uh, super middleweight. And uh, we had Chad Dawson, yeah, light yeah. heavyweight no, champion, to win this one. The, the thing is, though, Stevenson, he's stepping up, he's coming up against a true champion, just doesn't really have a chance. <laughs> I think that's pretty much along the lines of what I said on the show. <laughs> it just goes to prove that boxing is... Uh, best sport ever. Best sport ever, because he comes out and he knocks out Chad Dawson <laughs> in about... How long was that? A minute or something? 50, about 55 seconds. And it was such, oh, such a good knockout, a big oh, loop and left hook. Fantastic. Short that, short that. Chad Dawson was taking literally off his feet and just, oh, it's, I can't get back. It's rare outside of a heavyweight division, even in the heavyweight division, it's rare you see a genuine champion who's at the top get sparked out in the first round like oh, yeah. that and genuinely just be like on the ground going, I don't know where I am. I, I don't think I've ever seen a happier man than Stevenson after oh, he won that. Left around the ring yeah, like he was. Oh, it was funny. It, but, um, didn't, didn't, you know how sometimes that happens and the fight goes over to check, like they have a bit of celebration <laughs> check, that guy was just like, no, I'm going to party like this. <laughs> fucking... What's the next one? Um, this one, just to kind of um, mention, again, the, all on the same night, but uh, Rorcus Gamboa, <laughs> who I was... Um, Honouring is just, he's just Another so, Cuban, yeah, amazing. Cuban boxing legend, and he's so good, so quick, so talented. He's like, a, he always reminds me a little, no. And um, he stepped up uh, to the lightweight division versus this guy called Darty Perez, and um, for this one, Gamboa won by unanimous decision, it wasn't his kind of greatest performance or anything, but uh, more for him in the future, because that guy is, yeah. what, he's the quickest boxer in boxing. He's amazing. He's unreal. Maybe uh, Rigondeau. Yeah, maybe. They're both, well, they're both, yeah. If Rigondeau can ever put on a couple of pounds and a... No, I don't think they would fight. Cubans never fight each other. They do like... No, they keep their, their solid... <laughs> they do like defecting, but well, um, not fighting. Yeah, but that's only because they're not allowed <laughs> to be professional. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what's the next one? So, again, all on the same night. And uh, this one, we'll give a shout-out, because he's um, from my now hometown of Streatham. So, uh, in the cruiserweight division, fighting in uh, Berlin, Marco Huck... Uh, number one cruiserweight versus Ola Afalobi and uh, this was the third one in their trilogy and the first two had been like incredibly close and uh, Marco Huck took it on a um, decision over 12 rounds but yeah. um, you watched this one what do you think? It was it was a good sort of old school brawl you know both fighters aren't exactly most technically uh, you mm-hmm. know gifted well not necessarily gifted but the most technically um, talented fighters mm-hmm. you know they rely on I mean Afalobi what Great heart, great chin, amazing chin. Some of the shots, Marco Huck hits hard mm. and he landed some cracking shots. And just Afalobi, just take it and just stumble and walk on, just keep applying pressure. And it was pretty much Afalobi applying most of the pressure throughout the fight. Mm. Big guy. Um, yeah, I'm not, not, definitely not as good as their second fight mm-hmm. or their first, but I think the second's probably. Probably the best, and you'd have to feel for Afalobi, who's maybe a bit hard done by him. Do you find it strange that Afalobi just isn't known in this country? Yeah, very. Because I, I really liked I, when you see him. I think he's a, I think he's an entertaining fighter, and he's good. He's yeah. not like he's not, as I say, 
you don't look at him and go, wow, his footwork's amazing, his defence, all of that. But he's he's good, you know. He comes in, he's accurate. He's got he's got a hell of a jab, I'll yeah. tell you that. <laughs> um, but yeah, for watching the fight, so <clears throat> it was it was it was it was all right. It was a good fight. You watch mm-hmm. it, it's entertaining. It kind of really seemed to explode in about round ten. Uh, Afalobi rocked, rocked Huck, and uh, and yeah, really went in for it. But like Huck came back pretty well aggressively. Yeah. And, um, managed to last. Yeah, managed managed to last it, and and you felt that really, you know, he was just he was more a- accurate and mm-hmm. he was landing more shots, uh, Huck. So you'd you'd have to give, give it him to up. him. Yeah. So um, again, bad luck for uh, Afalobi. We'll move yeah. on to the uh, next one because this one. Well, only lasted four rounds, but it was, <laughs> it was good while it lasted. So this was on a Saturday, the 15th of June, and a featherweight division. And this is the undefeated Mikey Garcia for his uh, reigning <coughs> WBO titles versus Juan Manuel Lopez, who's uh, ranked number two, featherweight division. Garcia, the champion, and Lopez is uh, ranked number 10. And uh, Mikey Garcia is real good at boxing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> real good. So um, four-round stoppage a Lopez. And Garcia's just... He's not the um, most stylish of fighters. Yeah. But he's quick, he's clean, he punches real, real hard. And Lopez just had no answers. I, don't th- I think he genuinely was like a bit shocked when he came in of, oh, this yeah. guy is a lot better than I thought. This guy's at another level. But it's, uh, it's, I'd say it's bad kind of tactics from Lopez because if you land Garcia to fight at his pace, so fairly slow, so throwing about 40 punches around, and uh, he can just stand there, he's so clean, accurate, precise, he's got like an excellent jab, he's got real power in both hands and just kept on fourth went and just put... It was just sort of mesmerised, shocked. I think, as you say, sometimes fight gets in there just a bit shocked, and all that game plan, all of that stuff, mm. kind of can go out the window. But I will come into uh, the next one. So this is more <coughs> kind of recent fights. One Saturday, twenty second. Oh, sorry. I'll do one from the uh, this my fight in the last couple of weeks. So on the fifteenth of June, there was a uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Christoph Blonarzik. So this in the cruiserweight division versus Rakim Chakiev, and. Uh, 12-round cruiserweight division. Vladarsik is rated number two, and Chakiev is versus number 10. Is and it Chakiev? Is that how it's... Chakiev. Oh, and, uh, I haven't seen this. Oh, it was... It's, <laughs> I've never seen a fight with a better turnaround. Just in... Oh. Basically, what happened? So, Chakiev... Is it, is it worth me... Oh, completely. Not, not telling me the outcome? And what's uh, Completely. Okay. But I'll put it this way, not to give it away, but Chakiev won, I'll say... The first five rounds, hands down. He's so super aggressive. He literally just one of those fighters who, when he throws a punch, literally comes off his feet and just gives <laughs> everything with every punch. Oh, Real good oh, movement. He's kind of bouncing on his toes. And I was watching Vladarsky, who's rated number two, just thinking, this guy is, this guy just hasn't the talent. How he's number one is just like absolutely insane. But it turns out he might be the world's toughest man. <laughs> oh, have a look at that. It was brutal, okay. tough, brutal. And Vladarsky is granite all the way through. <laughs> that man is oh, unbelievably tough. Uh, definitely check that out. And um, the last one then, we'll wrap up for the reviews. And, I've got, uh, yeah, go on. And so this one on the Saturday, the 22nd of June, Paulie Malanagi, our feather-handed speedster, <laughs> versus Adrian, I might be the world's greatest shithead Broner. <laughs> yeah. Fighting in the lightweight division. Broner's rated like pound for pound, number six in the... Um, sorry, he was uh, rated pound for pound in uh, number six in like Ring Magazine. But this is in the uh, welterweight division. So uh, Broner's stepping up for Malinaggi's WBA title. And uh, <laughs> we both watched this one. Uh, what do you think? Well, first of all, I want to talk about some of the pre-fight press conference shenanigans because that was like something out of the WWF plot <laughs> or WWE, whatever the fuck it's called now. But Adrian Bloner 
Broner came out and he basically, along the lines of claiming to have stolen Paulie Malignaggi's girl and even going as far to phone her up on the press and get her on the phone and everything. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he also mentioned how Paulie had punched her and he sort of implied, Ooh. pretty much implied that, like, she was, the story told was like, so she's there. And she's saying to Paulie, how come, how come you've only like got four knockouts? <laughs> you can tell this is not what she said, but this is Adrian just feeling out going, how come you've only got like four knockouts? And he's going, oh, fuck you, man. I, I knock out. And anyway, she's going, look, I'm not trying to get you. You know, <laughs> I just want to know how come you don't hit a little bit harder? Is there not something you could? And anyway, he says that, that Paulie after that, pulls back and throws one of his biggest, like, big right hook straight out and lands it yeah. flush on the chin. And he basically implies she just stands there and just sort of goes, yeah, what, why'd you do that? <laughs> <laughs> just turning that screw. And it's just, yeah, it was kind of bizarre. And it then after that, <laughs> yeah, after that, Pauline Malinacci comes out and he's just like, hey, she's just weekend pussy, man. I don't know, I'm like saying, oh, Adrian Brony has to pay for his sex, so he's welcome to her, blah, 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 it's a gift, blah. And yeah, ridiculous. Real, <clears throat> real nasty, real Yeah, quick. and I, I did... I've rarely seen two fighters enter the ring to, mm. to, to Stranger Music. First of all, <laughs> did you see the entrance? No, no, no. We skipped it straight to the fight. Adrian Broner comes out and he's got some guy rapping live with him. Yeah. And um, he's just basically repeating the same phrase over and over again to just some basic kind of <laughs> shit hip-hop beat. And I don't know if I can... I think the last time you, you replaced this word, but I'm going to just say it, because uh, they were saying it's live on the thing. So yeah. it's just like every, every just time it's, nigga, I ain't worried about nothing. Nigga, I ain't worried about nothing. Nigga, I ain't worried about <laughs> nothing. And that's just it. But you can tell the guy, after he's, after he's done about three or four of them, he's thinking, oh, shit, maybe this was a idea. And you just see his head slumped down. And he's just sort of, oh, God, this is the longest walk in the world. And he's sort of like sort of longer pauses. Nigga, I ain't worried about nothing. <laughs> Nigga, I ain't worried about nothing. And then Nick, when he needs a ring, he kind of gets a second wind. He's like, oh, I'm almost here now. So he kind of picks it up, lifts his head up a bit. Nigga, I ain't worried about nothing. And I'm there and I'm thinking, holy shit, that's one of the shittest entrances I've seen, right? And you can see Broner's coming in loving it, just oozing confidence. And I'm just thinking, mate, that's a bit of a shit ring thing. And then, you know, I thought, yeah, that is shit. Yeah. And then Paulie just comes out of nowhere and tops it. He just, I don't know, he just, he just comes out to something like, it's like, just shit Euro pop. Just the shittest, <laughs> just the shittest Euro pop. And, oh, no, sorry, my favourite thing is when Broner's uh, coming in and that rapping's going on, Yeah. about two minutes in, there's no commentary over any of it. So I'm thinking, oh, there's no commentary. After two minutes, he gets in the ring. All you hear is about four words in Russian. <laughs> and you just think, God, if there's one group of people who wouldn't be impressed by that entrance, it is Russian. So just be looking at him going, what a prick. Um, but luckily for those Russian commentators, Paulie Malinaji comes out with shit Euro pop. And we all know that Eastern Europeans love oh, a bit of that. Yeah. Um, it was kind of like the crazy... F- Frog theme tune, like spliced uh, in with some Italian guy rapping over. It's a shame. It. I really like Paul and uh, Paulie Malinacci, but mm. do you know what he's like? He he reminds me of. He does um, wear a good sideways baseball cap. I he, mean, most people can't pull that kind of shit off. <laughs> <laughs> it does remind me a bit of. Yeah, it, it, I love his commentary. 
I mean, and it reminds me. Uh, yeah, it's really Roy good. Jones Jr. is probably my favourite commentator. <laughs> I love a guy, quality. But whenever he was like in his pre-fight, like when he was in his boxing days yeah. and things and all that, any interviews, I just think you're just a bit of a prick. Man. Yeah. Everything he did, just that whole, he just Swagger. he just wasn't able. to... Some fighters can do it, and they do it with style. He always seemed a bit awkward and a bit, I don't know, try... Not that he ever felt awkward about it. <laughs> yeah, and in the same way, I see Paulie, when he's interviewed, just tries to give it all the big shit, and I just think, no, nah, mate... He might mate, be a bit just... too nice for it, I've got to say. Well, no, he's not. When you see him, he can... Well, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But all that aside... That's, that, that was just the... Uh, that was just the... the getting entry. into the ring, mate. Yeah, <laughs> so... Um, and in fairness, that was probably the best bit of the fight. <laughs> it, it wasn't... Was, it yeah. wasn't a classic, we'll say. But uh, if you're going to watch this fight, all you need to do is watch uh, round one, because this tells you everything you need to know. So uh, Malinaji comes out and just peppers Broner with so many shots, like six or seven like punch combinations, all to the body, all of which Broner is catching on his gloves. And yeah, just clearly not putting any pressure on Broner. Broner wasn't worried. And then at the end of the round, Broner landed maybe two or three. Just couldn't be bothered with the effort in it, I would have thought. Lands two or three clean, oh. hard shots. And then you think, okay, it's Broner's. Give him it. Because that's pretty much how the 12 rounds went. Well, I wouldn't say... Do you know what? I, I, was, <laughs> I was surprised. Broner was, was, to me, he looked frustrated at points. There were a couple of points in that fight where he was throwing punches. And poorly, you know, his punching wasn't wasn't great but his footwork and his yeah. movement around the ring caused Broner a lot more problems than I thought it would mm. and when you look at Broner he goes on about himself being like Floyd and blah 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 and the next blah you look at somebody like Floyd in there and you would you'd never see him in the ring throwing that many punches and missing and being mm. troubled by somebody he would have more composure he'd stand back and I just you look at he's, he's, he's still young and yeah, he's got like a long way to come and hopefully he'll uh He'll also, <laughs> with improving his boxing skills, he'll also did. improve his uh, attitude because, because that guy may be the biggest shithead in the whole sport. <laughs> in round two, it's not often you see this happen in a professional boxing match, but Brenner literally tried to kick Malinaggi the ball. He probably landed it. I think he generally yeah. did, just out of nowhere. They're like close, and he Very just. Rare. Yeah. He is. The other thing is so annoying. You know, like something in a fight, you get a bit, you get that toy. And Floyd does, you know, where. Somebody throws a punch and lands a couple, mm-hmm. and Floyd will stand back and shake his head. And Floyd's not the first one to do that. Many yeah. box over the years, you just shake your head to try and get in. I fucking Broner was doing it every yeah. fucking punch for round after round. I was just like, Jesus Christ, mate, when are you going to stop that? It's just. Or if you're that tough, try and knock him out then, don't you? Yeah, and it just looked like it's just boring. He, he kind of. He's yeah. just. Again, he's a complete bell end. He's but, um, focusing on uh, Floyd. So uh, that one to skip, but um, yeah, go back and watch the Cruiserweight. Yeah. <laughs> for the Norris to kick one, because that one's amazing. But uh, anyway, that'll wrap it up for the... Um... Well, I've got a couple here. Um, oh, sorry. I've, I've got notes here. Uh, the Jonathan Banks v. Seth Mitchell. I've written a review down here, and it's a, it's a one-word review, and it says boring. <laughs> so uh, don't bother anyway. checking that out. Yeah, the two American anyway, It's just boring. Seth Mitchell wins it on decision, and it just looked like... Neither of them really wanted to be there. It was like not a good look. Like being agreed, yeah. After their first fight, after the first mm. like, shot knockout, and then um, also I saw a good fight. Uh, Kermit Cintron. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that Puerto Rican guy. He fought a Mexican. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's Mexican. Uh, Granados. Um, but yeah, that was a good fight, and it was uh, unluckily it got given a, a split draw decision. Oh, really? Yeah, and Kermit Cintron won that. He looked quite good. It was his first time oh. back in the ring after his loss to Sol Canelo Alvarez oh, really? in 2011, so a long time out. 
Um, I don't think the opponent was exactly top draw, yeah. but he looked good and, uh, yeah, got a bit unlucky with the decision. Unlucky for him, but... Um, okay, that's... Yeah, so wrap up, yeah? up for the reviews. <clears throat> okay. Okay, so we're coming into uh, a regular feature on the show called uh, Didn't You Used to Be a Boxer? And uh, what I'd like to do is to run through like a famous name from the past and just um, see what they're up to. So um, I'll tell you what they're up to. This guy's dead. <laughs> <laughs> so what's he up to? Just sitting in a grave, yeah? And uh, the last couple of ones are Americans for the last few shows. They this haven't time. really been... The first song was like, what's he up to about, you know... Tommy uh, Morrison. Tommy yeah. Morrison. But the rest have just been... Dead. Just paying homage <laughs> to, to great legends. Which is nothing wrong with that. It's just as good. So uh, this time we're going for an Italian. And his name is um, Primo Canera. Ooh. Born in 1906 and he died in 1967, and his nickname was the Ambling Alp. And um, unbelievably, this guy for he became heavyweight heavyweight world champion, but is best known for just being the most mobbed up corrupt. <laughs> <laughs> not he, anyway, no, not him. It. Yeah, person. It's quite a sad story. Him, isn't a it? little bit. A, there was a film made of his life called Lovely the Giant. Yeah, <laughs> the, I mean, the name of the film. <laughs> <laughs> the name of the film was uh, "The Harder They Fall," and it was written by Bud uh, Schulberg, who was a Humphrey Bogart movie, and um, it's like a noir from the forties. And um, if you ever get a chance, look it up because it's Great absolutely, film. absolutely fantastic. But um, not from the forties, from later on. Anyway, based on Canera's life. Anyway, so uh, this guy, who's born in uh, nineteen oh six in Venice, in Italy, he grew up and uh, trained to be a lucky carpenter. Moved to France when he was fourteen. And that in his teens, he started developing into basically what made him famous. And that was his massive physique. So much so that it became a strong... He joined the circus at 16. And then uh, became a, went on to be like a, a strong man. That's pretty good. 16? So, joining um, the circus? <laughs> his selling point was pretty much his size. So, um... The thing is, though, Bam, I think, like, in today's... Today's standards, he wouldn't have been that big. Oh, no. He would have been fairly small. Oh, no, no. Today's standards, he's still huge. So, at the time... He, back wasn't, in... he wasn't value F size. Oh, no, no. He's exactly the same. So Was um, he? I thought he was like 6'8 six, six, or something. Back in... 6'7. Uh, so, at the time, back in like the 1930s, 40s, if you lived in Italy, you're, uh, the average height for a man was about 5'5". Five, five. This guy was 6'6". Six, six. And weighed two hundred and seventy pounds, <laughs> so he was literally considered like to be an actual giant. And uh, it's got a quote on here from um, <laughs> for, this is the quote about what he ate for breakfast. Prima had a quarter of orange juice, two quarts of milk, nineteen pieces of toast, fourteen eggs, oh. a half loaf of bread, and a half a pound of Virginia ham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is that's. Yeah, love it. No wonder he's so big. And uh, anyway, so he's in the um, circus as a strong man. He's, he had like this big buff body. I just got just got back up here because this is playing on my mind. Mm. You said he was six six. Yeah, that's not massive. That's not giant. That's about standard. If anything, that's heavyweights. Maybe. Like Fury and the Klitschko's are taller than that. I'm not saying he's not big, Funny but he's not like in those days. He was he was a standout. He was oh, yeah. he was he he dwarfed other heavyweights. Oh, completely, almost. even by like <coughs> modern day standards, he's still like a big lad. He's still no value. And he's close. He's not. <laughs> he's, <laughs> about, he's about. Yeah. Anyway, he built up a basically because he was a strong man thing. He was picked up by a couple of promoters and uh, got himself a record of fourteen and one. And then in uh, 1929, he uh, finally got like his first kind of serious heavyweight shot against a fellow called Young Sterbling, a name that I just absolutely love. Anyway, Sterbling just completely outboxed him, makes him look um, just as he was, just a completely untalented boxer. Yeah, nice. But uh, this is where the first rumours about his shady dealings. So uh, Sterbling is beating the hell out of him. And then uh, 
in like Grand Seven, he gives a bit of a low blow. The Ambling Alp just goes, falls on the ground. Referee just steps in immediately and goes, right, you're disqualified. Yeah. To start with, he said, that's it, done. I, Victory goes to Canary. I've heard a lot of other stories though about that. Like he'd be, he'd lose fights uh, clearly and get the decision. Oh. If they just pay fighters off before the fight and fighters would take dives. Oh, a couple of beauties and... coming off. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, so anyway, he gets picked up by, um, because of his size, uh, he got picked up by a British uh, manager called o- sorry, Oni Madden. So he was a British-born gangster and he was involved in like, bootlegging and boxing promotions. So in and relation like, to John Madden? Let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so basically Madden takes him over to the US and this is where his career really gets um, kind of starts off. So um, in his, one of his earliest fights, so this is in January 1930, he fights a guy called Rio. And uh, Rio was knocked down six times by Canera in the first round. Yeah, many, many of the audience at ringside swear they never saw Canero, Canero <laughs> land a single punch. So uh, this is the fight in Chicago, which again at the time, this is like during the period of Al Capone was just known for its kind of shadiness. Anyway, so Canero was led off by the Illinois Boxing Commission and Rio just had his boxing license revoked for cheating. <laughs> so uh, he then comes on to his next big contender, some uh, guy called uh, George Godfrey. And um, Godfrey was like a big fella as well, had like a really good uh, knockout streak. And uh, Godfrey was winning by an absolute mile and then uh, same thing up again just got disqualified for a dubious foul <laughs> referee just stepped in again and just boom yeah that's it just <laughs> line refs. and just Godfrey you're out of there holds up Canero's hand <laughs> another victory that's a touch isn't it oh yeah absolutely fantastic so anyway he this goes on for like the next couple of years until um, finally comes up against uh, Jack Sharkey who uh, he was like a future Jack Sharkey was a future heavyweight champion and uh, he pretty much beating like half of uh, Canera's old um, rivals. And uh, Sharky was just known as like a real tough uh, challenger. He got the distance with like uh, the legend that is Jack Dempsey. And um, anyway, this one, Canera puts up like a good performance, loses, but um, puts up a good uh, performance. So um, they decided they'll have a rematch, and this time Jack Sharky comes out again. And so the rumour went that Sharky took the match because there's another boxer at the time called Max Bear. If you've oh, ever no, seen the yeah, film yeah. Cinderella Man, he gets portrayed as... The most evil man ever born. Yeah, and <laughs> by all accounts, he was a lovely, charming fella, and that film just destroyed his... Oh, really? Yeah, just tried to destroy his legacy. I thought he was a little bit of a... I thought he was a rough... Yeah, he was, but like all the boxers fighting in the 30s and 40s were rough in that sense. Anyway, uh, Jack Starkey, so the rumour goes, refused to fight Max Bear because he didn't want to get hurt, and so took um, a fight against... a rematch against Canera as well. This time, Canero, out of nowhere, somehow managed to give him like a fairly bad beating. And then finally, uppercut and Jack Sharkey apparently lifted off the canvas and just boom, flat out. Half the people at ringside go, bullshit! <laughs> Say, this is clearly like another dive. Anyway, your man. He lifted uh, him off the ground. So the uh, rumours of the reports at the time go. And uh, anyway, Canero gets, now he's world champion. So now he's got the um, world at his feet. He goes on and has like uh, defences against guys. <coughs> kind of no-names, real kind of bum, uh, bum of the month stuff. And then uh, finally, he, because he's a heavyweight champion, there's only so much you can go before you have to take on like a legitimate yeah, yeah, challenger. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Max Bear finally got his chance. This in 1934. Max Bear. That guy's ruthless. That's can, one thing. You can go on YouTube and watch this fight. Max Bear knocks him down 11 times before he finally, Canera just... In the 11th round, just brutal. can't get up. It's one of the most brutal... But the reason it's so bad, in the 1940s, they didn't have the same rules they do now, where if you get knocked down, you have a standing A count. Yeah. This is when, if you get up, the guy can stand in front of you and just level you again. Yeah, yeah. Which, it goes... It's like a testament to, not just Canera's size, but his... Actually, Heart. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. really did have it. 
And um, anyway, then he goes off like a. So he gets beaten by uh, Max Baer. That was like his brief world uh, championship. It's a bit of a sad decline after that, wasn't it? Oh, pretty much. I mean, he fought um, Joe Lewis. In uh, 1936, really? yeah, but this is like the young rising Joe Lewis. So Joe Lewis was 19 and 0. He was soon to be like the undisputed like heavyweight champ in the world. And um, Canero was Italian and was a fan of Mussolini. And um, they had a fight in Yankee Stadium in 1936. Like 60,000 people watching this thing. Real racial, like a real racial divide for yeah, two yeah, reasons: yeah, one, black yeah. and white, but also the Allied forces versus like the Axis powers. Yeah, yeah. And Joe <laughs> Lewis just makes him helpless in the six rounds. Just a young Joe Lewis is. Yeah, right, yeah. it just absolutely devastates him. Anyway, a couple of years later, Canero is now really on the slide. Has a he's a diabetic, has his kidney removed, and um, it's one of my. It, I don't know how much this says about his personality and how much he was used and how much he was exploited, but um, it gives like an insight maybe to his uh, kind of politics. So in 1941, Canero was handpicked by Mussolini to take part in a propaganda film in North Africa. So and this is kind of quotes at the time from Mussolini to prove the infer- inferiority of the Negro race. A boxing match was set up between Canera and a six-foot-three-inch Zulu prisoner of war named Masaki. So, propaganda right, film set up. Right, right. Masaki <clears throat> had no boxing experience. He goes on to just uh, knock Canera out with one punch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really. If there's anything like universal justice, that might be a, a prisoner of war coming thing. up and just. Well, that and also the fact Mussolini was uh, killed and hanged. <laughs> right, right. So, <laughs> so yeah, and, um, universal justice. <clears throat> I mean, he was known at the time for, even through Canera's career, there was so much publicity and press of, this guy is absolutely corrupt, he's willingly corrupt. Yeah, but, but you I, don't, I didn't him. think he was willingly corrupt. I thought he was a bit out of his hands. He got, he was sort of taken over and he was controlled. He never really made any money. He never even... But he's not... <clears throat> uh, there's no um, idea that he was in, unintelligent enough not to know what was going on. So he's aware that he's essentially kind of cheating his way to the world title. I thought he was kind of like a sloth character from the Goonies. <laughs> <laughs> didn't really know what was going on. But, uh, this is from uh, Time magazine. So this is uh, October 5th, 1931. It's got a story about um, uh, Kadera just before, before he becomes a world champion. And uh, this had to describe him. Since his arrival in the US, backed by a group of prosperous but shady entrepreneurs, Kadera's career has been less glorious and more fantastic. His first opponent, Big Boy Peterson... And Whoa. Cowboy Owens, <laughs> I'm a big fan of. Nice. Uh, basically, were known to be incompetent, but came up and just. But their feeble opposition against Canera just suggested they had absolutely been bribed to lose. So um, anyway, it goes on like that and just kind of slacks them off, saying this guy is corrupt. Very, right? He's very career. corrupt. <clears throat> and um, anyway, in in terms of like what he's doing now and uh, what he's up to, in 1946, this is. Again, it is impossible for someone to have this life now, which is why I like this guy's story. It is impossible to be a, shame, a, a circus, <laughs> to be a circus strongman, become heavyweight champion, and then 1946 decided, I'm going to go into pro wrestling. Uh, he had he had massive success because of his size. You say that that is possible to do now. Oh, sorry, hang on. His top draw is um, so he's one of the top draws in wrestling from and that lasted from 46 up until like 62. Do you want to guess his, uh, how many victories he had before he finally got a loss? Uh, one? 120. <laughs> <laughs> he was a bit of a unit. Oh, it's fantastic. But, um, that is good. But eventually, like, I died in 1967, so he got married and uh, had a couple of kids. One who went on to be a doctor, so he must have been some, like, intelligence in his um, family. But uh, bribed. Probably the mafia bribed uh, kids <laughs> to get the doctors. He's, yeah. And there's lots of stories. Like, he went into, like, had a film career because he was so big and... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, well, this is my favourite... Uh, 
<laughs> one of my favorite descriptions of the film. So, uh, you've seen the remake of Mighty Joe Young about the giant gorilla. I have actually, yes. I was going to say, yeah, I have seen it. And uh, he started the original. It's my, it's my fourth favorite gorilla based. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> he started the 1949 original Mighty Joe Young, where, and there's a scene where he, he plays himself in a tug of war match against a giant gorilla. Basically, Mighty Joe Young then pulls him into a <laughs> pool of water. So, uh, so who, the, sorry, he pulls the gorilla into No, the gorilla water. pulls him. Oh, right. And then his reaction to that is to stand up and throw a couple of punches at the giant gorilla's chin. So, was that somebody must have been in a gorilla suit, yeah? <laughs> I don't know, actually. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. must do that. But um, anyway, yeah, he passed away. He moved back to uh, Venice in 1967, and then a pathway, unfortunately, because he's had uh, diabetes. Do you think there are any boxers who could punch a gorilla? Clean in the face and get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> if you got the most placid gorilla, tamed it to be really. I'm, I'm pretty sure you lamp a gorilla is coming back at you. I'd like to see. I don't know. That's a good question. I think there's an inbuilt rage in that. I'm pretty I've sure you get a Vander Holyfield drunk enough. Right? <laughs> 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 tell him, tell him there's a world title on the line. <laughs> <laughs> He'll jump in there. Because um, he doesn't want kids to feed. So he's <laughs> got his. That man's been with more women than he's had hot dinners. But uh, yeah, Primo Canera, I just his life story is absolutely fantastic. He's, he's been with more women than Primo Canera's had slices of toast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, sorry, didn't he used to be a boxer for this week? Brilliant, yeah, great love stuff. that guy. Yeah. So uh, we'll just wrap it up. We're coming into like the uh, last part of the show. So what we do is like to preview the uh, upcoming fights for the next couple of weeks. And uh, the big one coming up on this Saturday, so on the 29th of June, uh, the middleweight division, Gennady Golovkin versus Matt Macklin for Golovkin's WBA title. It's going to be on HBO, but um, it should be a, this should, one should be real good. Should be good, wonderful. yeah, it should be very interesting. I think um, <clears throat> Gennady Golovkin, entertaining, aggressive, powerful, as we were talking yeah. about before, uh, comes forward. And uh, yeah, but at the same time, I think as you were saying, you know, his... His level of opponents, because he is so dangerous, people are reluctant mm. to fight him. And, you know, through no fault of his own, really, but, mm. you know, question some of his opponents in the past. Are they, is Matt Macklin maybe going to bring something which he's, hasn't he hasn't had before. to face? Yeah. I'd say it's um, for Golovkin, for anyone who doesn't know, so this guy was a civil me- uh, silver medalist in the 2004 Summer Olympics in middleweight. And now he's the um, WBA and WB, uh, IBO, sorry, middleweight champion. And he's got like a 90% knockout record. He's a Kazakhstanian. And as we've as we've talked about, they are pound for pound the most dangerous thing on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> pound for pound, <laughs> and they're, they're also the only thing that Russians are scared of, which I'm sure I've mentioned before. That's so, courtesy of Tommy. I mean, his record at the moment is 26 wins, 23 knockouts, and um, but yeah, he's not come up against the best competition because the other middleweights are pretty much terrified to fight him. Or, well, it's not terrified, just it's a bit of an unnecessary risk. For or, some of them, they'd look like, What's it, why face somebody that dangerous yeah. with that power when... He's a bit of a no-name. Well, yeah. He's trying to get yeah. there, though. Yeah. I'd say this, Ben, that uh, um, Sergio Martinez, his manager said, Golovkin was trying to call him out, and the manager said, listen, this is too soon for you. You yeah. need to fight someone in the top five then after that we'll see so this is where Matt Macklin comes in so I think at the moment he's ranked like maybe 6th in the middleweight division so he's like a Matt Macklin is a former uh, Irish, British and European middleweight uh, champion and he's basically known for his kind of come forward style he's got like a real cast iron chin and um, he fought a couple of fights ago uh, Felix Durham in Germany 
And um, it was a split decision loss. And Felix Sturman is getting like one of the best um, middleweights on the planet. He's getting on a bit now, but yeah, he's uh, very talented. But uh, Matt Macklin, so he dropped a real close decision to Felix Sturm for Sergio Martinez in the next fight. Lost, he got TKO'd in round 11. But um, put up like a decent performance. And this is on the back of that. He's basically got the fight with um, Golovkin. So, yeah, I, I, I generally think it's going to be a lot closer than... Um, yeah, maybe like there's a lot of pundits saying Golovkin is just going to knock him out, but I don't it's, know, one Matt things, it's one of those things. It's one of those things. Yeah, like if it could, it could, yeah, it could go either way. You look at it. I'm tempted. I wouldn't be surprised if it is a fairly explosive early mm. knockout. I don't like to say it. I'm hoping Macklin can can bring superior boxing in and, and use his experience because you know as you say he has been in with some of the best you know he's been in with Martinez he's been in with Felix Stern and he's he's done a, he went a distance with Stern didn't he was yeah. it a late a late TKO no no it was uh, for the yeah for the Martinez it was one round 11 yeah. and he was getting outboxed to be honest yeah. but um, nonetheless it should be that one should be a, like a real close one the um, another one coming up so on the um, same evening is a uh, lightweight division fighting Bolton so Gavin <laughs> Reese versus Anthony Crawler and uh, Reese is I'm he's looking like, forward to this yeah he's ranked real high Reese is like um, he's 33 so um, Crawler Anthony Crawler well, Crawler's is, uh, coming off the back of uh, two two great fights with uh, with uh, is, it, is it Derry Derry Matthews isn't mm. it yeah um, yeah very good a proper Liverpool v Manchester derby, <laughs> derby match uh, a lot of heat. Uh, Crawler, uh, I think a premature <laughs> stoppage. Jordan Alex Ferguson is still the biggest RP in the yeah. country, even though Liverpool have been shit at football for the last like, 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> then it. again, when you get Gary Neville running down to the cop end after the man you've <laughs> scored and just doing that and coming out with phrases of, I just hate everything Scouse. God, I love Gary Neville. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't fully appreciate it until he got into his punditry. And now he's. he's everyone loves him. Brilliant. <laughs> he is really good. But, um, who do you think is going to win? Because I think that one's going to be... I don't know, oh, actually. I don't know. That is, that is tight. I mean, I, I, my gut instinct would maybe edge it to Reese, Gavin mm. Reese. I mean, Crawler's young, coming up, he's good, and uh, he, can take a, he can take a pretty mm. good shot. Like, Reese's uh, record, it's like 37, uh, 37 uh, wins with a couple of losses, so he's like his record, 18 yeah, he's KOs. Yeah, great. Is he, how old is he, like 33 or something? Yeah, 33. Yeah, Reese. Um, I, think I'd, I think I'd have to give it to Reese, but again, it's one of those ones where... It should be good. Know, yeah, I th- it's definitely one to watch. I think it's... Yeah. There's um, another one. We'll run through these uh, last ones a couple uh, fairly quickly. But um, on the same night again, super middleweight division, two English fighters. So Rocky Fielding, so he got fourteen and zero at the moment against uh, Martin Concepcion. So oh, um, great name, it's a fantastic <laughs> name. And um, uh, Concepcion had a fight just fighting out of uh, Leicester, and he's got like, seventeen wins with about like eight defeats. So this is like Rocky Fielding again, building himself up to. There's such. There's a lot of good super middleweights. In the um, in Britain at the moment, yeah. So um, yeah, hopefully this is maybe down the line. Oh, good prospects, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tom to fellas, you can fight um, uh, De Gale. Yeah, did you see the girls fight? We didn't mention that. No, I watched it. It was um, yeah, it was a good good performance. Another solid performance. <laughs> I think we forgot to mention that, which is bad. But yeah, it was good. I'll tell you, what's the last one? I did that. I found this funny in the uh, on the set again on all the same night. So on the uh, 29th of June. Junior middleweight division. There's a fighter called Willie Nelson. He's ranked in the top ten of the junior middleweights, fighting some guy called Sulu. But uh, the only reason I bring this up is because Willie Nelson previously and is about five fights ago. Was a singer. <laughs> Willie Nelson has fought a guy called <laughs> Jesse Feliciano. 
So for any music boss out there who are massive fans of Jose Feliciano, who is without a shadow of a doubt the world's greatest living guitarist, <laughs> that was literally the only reason I brought that up. So, okay, well, <laughs> I think that's worth bringing up. Willie Nelson bought a guy with a surname. If you, if you so ever watched, there's a link. If you ever watched the film Fargo, about midway through, Steve Buscemi goes into a bar and he's sitting there with a hooker. And they turn around and he goes, the hooker is sitting there, there's a guy playing guitar on stage. And the hooker goes, what the fuck is this music? And uh, Buscemi turns around and goes, well, sometimes you can come into bars like this and it's shit. Or sometimes you get Jose Feliciano. <laughs> Cuts to the stage and there is Feliciano, black shades on. I'm pretty sure he's blind. Really? <laughs> <laughs> he's literally the world's greatest living guitarist. All those rock stars, all Slash and all that bullshit. Feliciano is where it's at. He's amazing. Fair enough. <laughs> anyway, that, that's it. That's what's coming up for the next couple of weeks. All right, great. Okay, that's the end of this week's show. Uh, just going to throw out our contact details for any of you uh, listeners who want to get in contact. We've, we've moved now. Uh, we've moved again. <laughs> and we're on, uh, we're on Podbean now rather than SoundCloud. And we're at uh, punchdrunkboxing.podbean.com. We're also now up on iTunes uh for once and for all permanently we're getting the old episodes up on there um, we're at www.facebook.com slash groups slash punch drunk boxing if or, you guys want to get in uh, contact or uh, follow us on Twitter we've set up a punch drunk boxing account so uh, anyone send us like ideas or just toss the yeah. fuck off I don't really mind I mean I'm, I'm not on Twitter I'll leave that up to Gary yeah, I, of... I don't I don't really understand it <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway yeah so uh, we'll see you well, in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, a couple of weeks' time. Uh, uh, take it easy oops. and uh, keep keep your uh, self protected at all times. <laughs>